know who Akira the Dawn is? Welcome to Meeting Crisis and Chill with Viveki Joan and Akira the Don. Got a big one tonight, baby. Episode 15, Meeting Crisis and Chill. Marcus Aurelius and Jesus. I don't know where else you're gonna find quality entertainment like this, but good luck. Welcome, 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 Meaning Crisis and Chill. Meaning Crisis and Chill, number 15. Today is number 15. Yes, it is. It's everybody's favorite lo-fi lecture series, Akira the Dylan, Viveki John. 
one one globally adored wave lord one globally adored canadian meaning crisis expert yo make some noise come on 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 make some noise make some noise yeah what up mike b what up walking more power what up twitcher alex what up matt crittenden what up morgan mindfulness What up, Cindy Bailey? What up, Gaming with Leah? What up, Bull Killer? What up, Sedgetash? What up, Shaggy Pavel? What up, Spin Dukin? What up, Easier to Say? What up, Rubber Easley and RBRB1234? And Cherry Hazelnuts and MLG Captain Virgil? And Bull Killer. I already said Bull Killer. SD Cree, what's up? WMIV, what's up? Christian Pagne, what's up? Zachary Brooks, what's up? Welcome to the show, everybody. Smash that like if you're on YouTube. Host that stream if you're on Twitch. Purple Team Ninja, just subscribe for five months. Five months, says Great Day Woo. Great Day Woo! I am DJ Task, what's up? Just subscribe for a month, what a G. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited, I got the album artwork for the next album, it's amazing. Yes, yes, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Also, a world-class, world-famous, world-renowned uh, animator is working on a piece of animation for us for for a, a mix tape, for a mixtape we're we're doing, and uh, I saw the drafts of that, like, and it's 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 amazing. So much cool stuff coming up. I'm so excited. Ah. Yeah, it's true. You listen to that man. Pay attention to that man. He knows what he's talking about. Word around town. Yeah. Good grandparents. Good mother and father. Good sister. Good teachers, good subs, relatives, friends, almost everything good. And I never lost control of myself with anything. Although I had it in me to do that, and I might have easily. But thanks to the gods, I was never put in that position. So I escaped that test. I was never put in that position. And so I escaped that test. I wasn't longer raised by my granddad's girlfriend And didn't end my genesis too early I didn't enter adulthood until it was time I put it off and that I had someone as a ruler and father Who could keep me from arrogance To live in a palace without bodyguards Without fancy statues or torches or dresses or such like show You could live much like a regular person Not remiss in action, not careless or ruler Carrying out official obligations That I had the kind of brother I did One whose character challenged me to improve my own One whose love and affection enriched my whole life That my children were born Stupid or physically deformed I wasn't more talented in rhetoric or poetry Could it consume me if I had seen progress Might never have given them up But I conferred on the people who brought me up The honors that they seemed to want early on Instead of putting them off Since they were still young With the hope that they'd do it later That I knew Apollonius and Rusticus Maximus I was shown clearly enough 
what it would be like to this nature requires thanks to the gods they did all they could through the gifts that have inspiration to ensure that I could live as nature demands thanks to the And if I fail, it's no one's fault but mine Cause I didn't pay attention to what they told me What they taught me, practically step by step That my body has held out For so long through such a life That I never laid a finger on Benedicta Or Theodosius, even later I was overcome by passion I recovered even though I often with stickers I never did nothing that I regretted later And though my mother died young She spent her last years with me And if I ever wished to help someone in need I was never told that I had not the means That I was never put in that position myself If I been to take something from somebody else That I had the wife I'd do Obedient, loving, faithful That my children had comforts and teachers for the remedy shown me in dreams When I was coughing blood When my head was spinning, spinning, spinning When I had an inclination to philosophy I didn't fall in the hands of any sophists That I didn't waste my time On rises and histories Around the resolution of syllogism Or occupy myself about the investigation Of appearances in the heavens Cause all these things require to help Gods and fortune Thanks to the gods They did all they could Through the gifts that helped Inspiration To ensure That I could live As nature demands Thanks to the gods They did all they could That I could let as nature demands. to open a show, nice little, uh, you know, a beautiful, a beautiful heart then, heartfelt, 
anthem of gratitude uh, to He's got quote. the very gods, you know, uh, as written by a Roman emperor 2,000 years ago and transmuted into a way that we can uh, understand and find useful in 2021 by Akira the Dark. Hi. Welcome to the show. What up, Tommy Biz 93 says, loving the vibes, pleasure to be here. Thank you for being here. Bye, Jove. What up, Morgan Mindfulness? Maz, big enough to send you in voice clips in mass for an epic track. I don't fully understand the, the, the implication. What kind of voice clips? Uh, walking more poet as nature demands, exactly. Exactly, Moran Alec with the $5 super chat says hippo character with stars glowing in his eyes. Pumping his arms in the air with the word hype pulsating above him. And I do love those sorts of messages. I do so those, love those sorts of messages. Thanks to the... Zachary Brooks is in the house. Happy to be here, Maz. Much love to you all. Meaning wave exists, meaning wave exists, meaning wave exists. Yes, it does. Morgan Mindfulness, I love from listening to his other mixes, this stuff gets you in that Marcus Aurelius mood. And as you swaying, thanking the gods, come on. Man like Matt Crittenden's in the house, what's up baby, how you doing? It's been a while on YT, howdy all, marching towards 365, carry that cross A. You talk like doing this broadcast is some kind of terrible burden. When it is in fact a joy and a privilege. As well, you know. Zachary Brooks says, Cracky Baby. Chris Champagne says, Good evening. Hi. Mason says, Great day, Woo, which is a very good point. Regular Father's in the house. Got a week off from classes so I can catch a stream. Amazing. How's classes? Good to see you, baby. Welcome all poets in the house says, World class. World class. Nathan says, Thanks to the gods, which is a good thing to say. Matt Crittenden says, Peak right here. J4 is in the house says, What up, good people? What up? Zachary says, I get so many emotions from Akira the Dawn. This music has been meaningful to me and has genuinely changed my life. Amen to that. God bless. Yo, we're going to do the international high five, then we're going to get right after it with a lo-fi lecture in uh, the way that uh, it seems that only we can. Thank God. And uh, I would just ask you today this, baby, since we're doing Marcus Aurelius and Jesus which we are, so to speak. Uh, to what? What? Let me see if I can arrange these words correctly. To what are you thankful? No, what are you thankful to the gods for? Today, on this most auspicious day, the day of my daughter's wedding. Although I don't have a daughter and she ain't getting married. I've got a son, he's next door playing Minecraft. Whooping and hollering with it, with his friends. Very excited. What did he manage to do in Minecraft today that he was so excited about? What was it he achieved? He created another game in Minecraft. And he was very pleased about this. What was it? Little Nightmares? No, that was, no, it was Animal Crossing. He somehow created Animal Crossing within... Minecraft, and he's very happy about this. And his, him and his friends are just shrieking and kicking the wall. I had to be, come up and be like, yo, quit kicking the wall, small human. What is this? 
I'm that guy, you know, I'm the guy who comes in and says, stop kicking the wall. Feels good. Feels good. Let me know uh, for the international high five then. Uh, what art thou grateful to the gods for? Or thankful. Grateful or thankful. Either would work. Today, Miranda Alec. Thank you. 149. Amazing. Popcorn emoji. Gosh. I'm grateful to the gods for Miranda Alec. And his family. And uh, his his uh, sacrifices. Yep. Walking more poets, so shouts out to Marcus Aurelius, establishing virtue that becomes poetry 2,000 years later. Quite. Tommy Biz93 says, I found you on SoundCloud, bro. Your sessions get me through my night shifts. At work, bro, keep it up, man. What? You've got two bros and a man, and uh, being useful. That's amazing. Thank you, Tommy Biz. And there you go. Uh, Shark Hero Alex uploading these mixes, these uh, sessions, shows, whatever you call them, to SoundCloud has proven useful because Tommy Biz found them. Thank you, Tommy Biz. Glad you're here, baby. He's got coat. Miller Times says, thanks to the gods. What's up? Gaming with Leo says, what a perfect ending to a great day. Great day. Woo! Regular Farmer says, I got an A in one class and my other class is pending. I'm doing pretty good, I think. Meaning we'll do that to you. Get after it. I'm so proud of this community. Oh, I'm so excited for you to hear the new album and see the artwork and all the associated glory. Ooh. Ooh, I am, I am. I am, I am. Uh, Embrace to Quaz. Smash that stoic like. Quite. Uh, Megan Mindfulness. Uh, Morgan Mindfulness, sorry. Says 20 plus voices choir style track. I still don't understand what you're talking about. Oh, singing thanks to the gods. Oh, you mean a remix? Remix! Maz Remix! I did something like that years ago. It was cool. I did something like that like 20, 20 years ago. I did that with a track in like 2005. <laughs> I got like a hundred of people to stick their fingers in the corners of their mouth and shout bankers. And then put that all on a track, like stacked it up. Pretty amazing. Uh, what I would say is, um, yeah, it might do. I very much look forward to playing these songs in a, in a large setting and you can all sing along and uh, we can make a live album. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be lovely? Black Britain says, I'm spangly. Imagine being spangly. Ugh. Some people live their whole lives and they never reach spangly, you know that? YouTube! Hi, YouTube. We've got people here on Twitch and ThinkSpot on YouTube. YouTube, smash it here yonder like. Do it thy duty. And uh, that would be nice. Thanks. Uh, great day, Woos. It's members time. Because members time knows what kind of day it is, you know. Oh. Mason says, get off my wall, you dang whippersnappers. Rat <laughs> Critterton says, Vegemite and peanut butter sandwiches. She just smiled and made me a Vegemite sandwich, you know, when I asked her, do you speak my language? Oh. That's pretty good, right? You know what I mean? Excuse me, do you speak my language? Smile, Vegemite sandwich gets made, and, and that's pretty dope. Shouts out to men at work. There was a lady in that group too. Should have been called men and a lady at work, really, but... Well, who am I? I mean, I suppose it would have been 
a lot, taking a more effort to pronounce. Red Scene 2076 says, I'm thankful for my challenges. Sergio Tej in, in the basement says that regular father could join us. Grateful for that. YouTube hero Alex smashing that like and sharing those buttons and axle stacks sent us $11.11 11, uh, in USD, which is auspicious and says, thankful for meaning. Thankful for you, Axel Stacks, with your 11-11 of auspiciousness and glory. Dakota Yates has just got some new Meaning Wave work, merch, and jam to you every day at work. Thanks for all you do, Akira. Hey, thank you, Dakota Yates. I got new Meaning Wave merch, too. Isn't it cool? And uh, what Meaning Wave merch did you get? I got this, you know. I got this one. It's so cool. It's really dope. And, uh, yeah, that's nice. Every day you get new Meaning Wave merch is a great day. Hello, Nathan from Newcastle. Thankful for the internet. Everyone to everyone. Exactly. Welcome all plant Virginia. I am amazingly thankful for landing a third interview tomorrow for a job at a top startup that will fund my wealth creation and typewriter poetry business. Yeah! Word XP uh, is in the house. What's up? Red Team is in the house. Purple Team Ninja is in the house. Uh, is grateful to the gods for my family, both Meat Space and Mass. What up, Lay3 says, good morning, Akira and Chat. Morgan Mindfulness says, epic. J4, grateful to have discovered this experience. We are grateful to have you here. Multiverse Media Space, my undying love for all my siblings on this planet. Natural Phenomenon, just got an ad for Taco Bell. Look at Twitch trying to tempt me to break the diet. You know, I did some music for Taco Bell advert once. I don't think they used it, but they did pay me a small amount of money. Twitch is really annoying in that regard, forcing you to watch adverts. It's just really annoying. I don't watch them, obviously. I, like, turn the phone over or turn away, turn the sound off. I refuse. I ain't having it. Cindy Bailey, Marino Valley. Today I scored some carne asada at $5 a pound, so I bought home 10 pounds. The butcher scaled them both out at $25 even, each bag. We both enjoyed the synchronicity, and I came home with meat. Sounds like the opening paragraph of Charles Bukowski's story. Of course, afterwards, you'd have to go to a bar and get howling drunk and end up in a weird motel with, with a hooker who then then cut your, cut your privates off, and then you'd go to the horse races, you know? That's what would happen. Amorphous Matrix says, I'm thankful for being alive right now, being able to help raise the consciousness of the planet. Boom! Quite right, too. Twitch Hero Alex says, shout out to Akira's unused Taco Bell song. Song Zer. I did like five. And uh, one day I will use them for something else. Natural Phenomenon says, Meaning Rave 2022. WMIV MD, this blessed existence. Uh, rather, rather, rather. And... Uh, Cindy Bailey is also continuing to be grateful for meat of uh, varying kinds. Uh, says, I'm also grateful for the beautiful tri-tip I found. And uh, as are we all, we are grateful for Cindy Bailey's uh, power and uh, success in gathering meat for her family and herself, of course. What up, Julie Seward? What up, Embraced Quaz? Grateful for ice that stops inflammation. Yeah, I do. Red Team's grateful for clean socks. Ain't nothing like a clean sock. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And in the same way, there's quite nothing quite like an unclean suck either, is there? You know what I mean? These are two distinct experiences and uh, yes, you know. Anyway, Prince Jabrika said, I was just thinking about unclean socks and how unhappy that, that makes me. You know, that's a dreadful thing. 
A dreadful, dreadful, unhappy thing. Cool beans. FL, thankful for my fur babies. Is that a euphemism? You talk. <laughs> uh, Julie Seward is happy and uh, just cut a very toxic person from her life and now feels much better. Well done. Well done. You know, those uh, get them the fuck away from me. That's what I always say. I always say, you know, those uh, those I can't catch break guys or uh, those those awful bastards in general. Get them the fuck away from me. That's what I say in rare moments when I swear on stream, which is rare. Dan Frank is grateful for this great day, great stream, great life. Thank you, ATD. Woo! Hey, thank you. Uh, Sheila says, if you subscribe, no ads. You can always spot someone who is not subscribed because they see ads, you know. Now, me, I do a lot of raiding around Twitch, Twitch, you know, a lot of raiding, a lot of seeing people, you know, so I, I, I'm, I suffer a lot of ads, you know, I suffer them. Uh, I suffer them. In the same manner that um, my nan would not suffer fools. Kind of like that. Thomas Russ is to make it beautiful, you resentful son of a bitch. Who are you talking to? <laughs> Red team! I never had an ad on Akira's Twitch. Also, I refuse to watch ads. That's because you're, you're subscribed. Like a... Uh, like a gentleman, you know, in the manner of a warrior. In the manner of a warrior and a gentleman. Yes, you are. Nathan says, I hope you turn Taco Bell into Meaning Wave. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I have so much unreleased, unused material. And in the early days of Meaning Wave, that's mostly what I was I was doing. I was repurposing stuff I'd made instrumentally in the in the couple of years prior to Meaning Wave. But now I'm making everything from scratch most of the time. Because I instantly have a very explicit idea of what, what it sounds like, you know. Anyway. Uh, Jay Cuddles F is thankful for podcasts, including college lectures on drives to work and the ATD Epic House Party tracks, not in that order. Exactly. Natural Phenomenon says, does this mean we're eventually going to see Taco Wave now that you've brought up that project? Yes, pretty much. Pretty much, that's what it means. Taco Wave incoming by Jove. Let's do the international high five. Come on. Still hobbling around. You see me? I'm like, you see that? This is how I'm walking right now because of running for two hours yesterday. I'm walking like this. And I'm making a lot of noises as I'm doing it. I'm like, it's exciting though, baby. It's exciting to be in that position, you know? God, you feel good after you've run for two hours, don't you? You feel like you've taken drugs. That's what you feel like. Why doesn't Twitch also sub it? It's absolutely disastrous. Anyway, let's get that international high five. What are we doing? Three, two, one. I'm gonna do it again.
that feel, baby? How that feel? That feel good? Morgan Moore says I got tingles from that one. Meaningful high five indeed. Hey, me too. Morgan, 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 Morgan. Mindfulness says may you be filled with love and kindness. May you all be safe and protected. May you all be happy. May you all find meaning. Hey. Julie Seward says I felt the energy too. Feels like it works. And if it feels like it works, what do they say? They say, keep doing it. When I say they, I mean... Scott Adams on that wonderful song. It feels like it works. Uh, shout out to that saxophone, which was recorded in 2004. And it was finally, finally found its way onto uh, a record that you could listen to. Uh, 17 years later. Incredible. You know, never give up. Never give up, you know? And with that being said, it's time, brothers and sisters, to, to, uh, to, get, to get after it, baby. It's a lo-fi lecture o'clock. It's a meaning crisis and chill. 15, Marcus Aurelius and Jesus. Welcome back to Awakening uh, from the Meaning Crisis. So last time uh, we finished up our look at what was going on in uh, Buddhism and then we moved back uh, to the West and we started to take a look at what was coming after the Axial Revolution. And we saw that Aristotle's disciple Alexander ushered in a period of uh, turmoil cultural anxiety, a period uh, where many people were expecting or were experiencing uh, domicide uh, in a very wide, um, wide manner, a, a, a deep and profound sense of loss of home, not of having a house or a dwelling, but that connectedness, that rootedness uh, to one's culture, one's place, one's history, one's language group, one's religion, one's community, etc. And we saw that what happens is a change in the cultivation of wisdom. Notice again the deep connection between the cultivation of wisdom and the attempt to deal with enhancement of meaning or the response to a meaning crisis. What happens is a change in the notion of wisdom and that wisdom now takes on a therapeutic dimension in which the philosopher is the physician of the soul and has to learn to cure anxiety. And then we learned how the Epicureans responded to this, how they diagnosed the problem like a physician and prescribed a response. They, are, they diagnosed the anxiety of the period, the Hellenistic domicide, as being caused by an anxiety about one's own mortality. We took a look at that, and we took a look at how they responded to that. They advocated at giving up, I would argue, the quixotic attempt to achieve immortality, and instead 
trying to come to an acceptance, a lived acceptance of one's mortality. And they did that by getting you to realize, by slowly getting to you to realize, getting clear about your nebulous anxiety, that it's not about non-existence, it's not about experiencing total loss, it's about experiencing partial loss, and then there's a remedy to experiencing partial loss, which is to right, set yourself upon those things that are actually constitutive of meaningful happiness, and then realizing, deeply realizing, and structuring your lives so that you will have those up until the moment of your death, which is philosophically informed friendship, meaningful relationships in which we are afforded the cultivation of wisdom and self-transcendence. Now, well, I think mortality salience is definitely a part of the Hellenistic crisis. I don't think the Epicureans have a comprehensive understanding. And to get a more comprehensive understanding and diagnosis, we turn to the Stoics. But in order to understand the Stoics, we have to understand the group that they developed out of. Those were the Cynics. And the Cynics were not as impressed by Socrates' argumentation as Plato was. They were much more impressed by Socrates' capacity for confrontation and provocatively inducing aporia in people. And they started to practice this. And in doing so, they started to force people to realize the distinction between moral codes and purity codes and to thereby pay more careful attention to what they're actually setting their hearts upon so that their hearts would not be broken by being set on man-made, impermanent cultural systems and values. Zeno, the cynic, was deeply impressed by this, but he was also impressed by Plato's argumentation. He wanted to integrate the two together and he also had the fundamental insight that although particular cultures and historical uh, institutions are contingent, being social is not. We are inherently social in the depths of our humanity. So leaving the polis was not actually an option, according to Zeno. Instead, what we have to do is realize that our issue isn't what we're setting our hearts upon, but how setting our hearts. Pay more, much more attention to the process than the product. So you can see how the Stoics are even picking up on something that's implicit in the Epicureans. The Epicureans aren't trying to change the world and eradicate death by bringing about immortality. The Epicureans are trying to get you to reframe, have an insight not just an intellectual insight, but an existential insight that changes the meaning of your mortality. And this was the, the, the core of the Stoic insight. Pay attention to how that existential meaning is being made. Pay attention to how that process of co-identification, the way we're assuming and assigning identities is occurring, because that's where yourself and your identity and your agency are being forged. The problem is most of us let that process go by mindlessly, automatically, and reactively. And so we mar 
this process. We make it susceptible to distortion. And that distortion is going to be a distortion that affects the very machinery of our self, of our being in the world. So what did the Stoics advocate that we need to do? Well, we need to bring this process of co-identification, of assuming various roles of our agency, assuming various identities, and assigning various identities in the arena, we need to bring this whole right, co-determination, co-creation of agency and arena into our awareness. So they advocated prososh and prokairon. And you're going to see similarities here to what we saw in Buddhism, but also some differences. So prososh is to pay attention. obviously we're always paying attention so that's useful useless advice what they meant is pay attention to how you're paying attention pay attention to how you're judging pay attention to this process learn right learn to see there's a difference between the meaning and I mean here the modal meaning the existential mode you're in I don't mean semantic meaning Learn to distinguish between the meaning and the event. Let's stop here. Let's stop here. This is the core, I would argue, of all of our current psychotherapies that are cognitive psychotherapies. Learning to distinguish between the event and the meaning you give the event. Because this is happening, this is like when I talked before about your glasses, they're normally transparent. Because we're almost always unconsciously framing events, the meaning and the event are fused together. But here's the issue, they're not identical. Events are events. The meaning is the co-identification process that is taking place in response to the event. That could be a process of parasitic processing. It's not intrinsic to the event at all. In fact, the meaning isn't part of the event at all. And this is important because if you keep them fused, you will be confused. If the meaning and the event are fused, the only way you can alter the meaning is by altering the event. The problem with that is, sometimes you can, but here's the thing, here's the thing that the Stoics are doing, and this is very much like what the Buddha was doing with trying to make you realize how threatened you are. You do not have as much control as you think you do. Epictetus, one of the great Stoic philosophers, starts his manual for living, basically his instruction manual of how to try and live a Stoic life with saying, you know, the core of wisdom, the core of wisdom is knowing what's in your control and what's not in your control. And stop pretending that things are in your control that aren't. 
because most of the time we do not exercise as much control over events as we like to believe and we delude ourselves that we do precisely because if we lose control of the event we will of course lose control of the meaning because we have fused the meaning and the event together we are confused existentially confused How can such a confusion occur to us? We've already talked about this. I mentioned Eric Fromm when we talked about the being and the having mode. I mentioned at that time, and we would come back to it, that Fromm was directly influenced by the Stoics. It's the Stoics who got us right, to realize, right, to use Frommian language, the distinction between the having mode and the being mode. The having mode is met by controlling things. And there are some things we literally have to control. Water, food, air, shelter. But most of our more, most pertinent needs are not needs that are met by exercising control. They are needs that are met by enhancing meaning we have to become but the being mode is met by developing the agent arena relationship by becoming mature which isn't just something that happens inside of me look when i become mature it isn't just that i'm changed inside i also inhabit a different arena and we recognize that socially that's why we don't let little kids get married or drive cars or own guns they're not allowed to move in a certain arena. Maturity is a agent arena relationship. It is a particular existential meaning. But if you do not know how to separate the meaning from the events, you're liable to be very seriously modally confused, such that you pursue maturity by trying to have a car. You pursue being in love by having sex and controlling and manipulating. But it doesn't work because you really can't exercise as much control over the world as you need in order to stabilize the meaning. Do you see how this is like the cynic still? You're trying to control a world that largely is beyond your control. You're setting your hearts on things, and your heart's going to be broken. But it's not just about man-made. Anything, anything can fall prey to this. You have to practice bringing into your awareness in a way that is transformative and developmental, the distinction between events and the meaning of events, and realizing this. You often act as if you have no control over the meaning, because you're ignorant of the processes and it's transparent to you, and you focus on trying to control the event, in which you often, often have much less control than you realize. This is what you should do. Pull the two apart. The meaning 
and the event. And recalibrate your sense of control and identity. Because you have actually way more control over this than you realize or practice. And you have way less control over this than you realize or practice. That's why the core of wisdom is knowing what's in our control versus what's not in our control. So how do you practice that? And how does your identity change as you do? Well, the practice is prochiron. This means sort of ready to hand. It means remembering, but in the sense of sati. Like mindfulness. It means remembering in a way that brings things, brings skills and sensitivities and sensibilities to bear in an appropriate and effective manner. It means remembering in a modally existential sense. So you practice a bunch of psychotechnologies to try and get them so internalized that you can not know that there's a distinction. I know that I should go outside the nine dots, but I need to know how to actually separate these things. So what do you do? Well, you engage in moment-to-moment -moment practices. You can see this. A book where you can see somebody doing this. And the book has to be read properly because <clears throat> many people misread the book. This is The Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. People read this book and they often think the point of the book is to believe the propositions he is proposing. The book is not written to you. It is not an attempt to create beliefs in you. Therefore, using it as creating beliefs is mistaken. The book is written to whom? The book is written to himself. Marcus Aurelius is practicing what Pierre Hodot called spiritual exercises. He is practicing psychotechnologies that are attempting to bring into awareness the co-identification process and co-transform the meaning of the world and the meaning of himself as distinct from attempting to control and manipulate the world by accruing power and fame. And this was a, a, a particularly difficult problem for Marcus Aurelius, precisely because he had power and fame. He was the emperor, many people consider him, I do as well, the greatest of the Roman emperors. He was an, the Roman Empire of, the Roman Empire when it was still in ascendance. Generally, he's considered the last great emperor of that ascendance, and the beginning of the decline is marked when his son assumes the throne. Uh, the movie, while in many ways a fine movie, Gladiator, does not represent Marcus Aurelius well at all. Um, <clears throat> Marcus Aurelius said something that is that really brings out both of these points. The, the challenge he faced and not getting enmeshed 
power and fame because of the way power and fame fuse the meaning with the event. He famously said this, it is possible to be happy even in a palace. And now you can think of the Buddha leaving the palace. Marcus Aurelius, unlike the Buddha, unlike the cynics, doesn't leave the palace. He learns how to be happy even in a palace because he does not want to shirk his moral responsibilities. So what are some of these practices you see him engaging in? One is a practice that Hado calls objective seeing. I'm not quite happy with that term because of the, some of the associations with the word objective, but let us, let us, let us go on. Aurelius says, conceive of sex as the friction of two patches of skin and the production of a sticky fluid. You go, ooh, that's kind of like Diogenes in the marketplace, it's ooh. Well, what's he doing there? What's he doing, and why is he doing it? He's married, he has children, so he's not a prude. In fact, he loved his wife quite, uh, quite deeply. What's he doing? He's trying to get you to realize the event of sex as distinct from all of the meaning we pour into it. The event is friction between some patches of skin and the production of a sticky fluid. But we pour all of this into it. And there's all of this meaning. And he's not saying that meaning's wrong. That's not the point. Any more than the being mode is good and the having mode is bad. He's not saying that. He's getting you to, he's getting himself to realize, to enact, wait, there's a difference between the event and all of this meaning that I'm identifying with. All of this rule, all of this rules I'm assuming, all of the rules I'm assigning. The Stoics would recommend, get a cup that you're really attached to, a cup you really like. Start using it on a daily basis so that you really like it, until it becomes very familiar, and then smash it. Because then you'll remember the distinction between the meaning and the thing. And if you can practice it with something that ultimately isn't that much of an event, with little things, then you can learn to do it with larger things. This leads to a practice that many people find distasteful for the Stoics. It's called premeditatio. When you're kissing your child goodnight, say to yourself, I may lose them to death. Because you have to learn to distinguish the meaning from the physics. You have tremendous control over the meaning that you and your son are making together. You have very little control over the physics of his mortality. If you can do things to protect him, and you should, but you can't move the universe. Look, 
We have got to remember this better, sati. We have entire genres that distort and refuse together the meaning and the event. They are pervasive in our culture, and I think they're much more pernicious than we realize. The ubiquitous evil is always the most dangerous, right? These are romantic comedies. Because romantic comedies teach us that the narrative meaning we are assigning to things is aligned with, consonant with, in concert with the way the world is unfolding. So events will conspire to bring two people together. There will be difficulties, but the world will help them to realize until they finally end up together. Now, of course, we have tragedies to try and compensate that, but the romantic comedy teaches us the wrong, the, the wrong that's not how it works. I, I, I'm in love with an amazing woman. I, I admire her as a I'm, I admire her as a person. I'm just so deeply grateful to be in this relationship, and it's growing and growing. Right? And I and I and I and you know, and I'm oh, this is fantastic. And I step out into the street, and I don't notice a truck coming, and it kills me. It doesn't care about my happiness. It doesn't care about my narrative. It doesn't care about all of that meaning that I'm making with her. It's real that we're making this meaning. It's part of our being mode. But it's not the same as the events that I'm experiencing. See, this leads to the Stoics diagnosis. It's not mortality that makes us anxious, it's fatality. Now, here's another instance. This, I, I would recommend Weiser's book, Beyond Fate, where we've, we've lost the meaning of a word because we associate that with mortality. Something that's fatal is something that has caused death. But that's not the root of the... Death is not the root of this word. The root of this word is fate. Now there's two meanings to this. One is some sort of magical things are predestined by some supernatural force. I'm not talking about that meaning of fate. I'm talking about the way things are just, are fated to happen. They're just rolling from their own causal necessity. And here's the point. When we fuse these together, we become subject to the fatality of all things. Everything is fatal in that the meaning and the thing are not identical, and if we forget that, we will suffer when they come apart. Now I can explain to you the association. Why is this associated with death? Because death is where those come apart. Death is where the events of the universe and all of your meaning and all of your narrative and all of your identity radically become unglued. Death is fatal. It reveals to you in the ultimate loss of agency 
that meaning and event are not identical. What's another practice that the Stoics engage in? Practice they engaged in is called the view from above. The view from above. You can see Marcus Aurelius doing it in the meditations. He says, imagine that instead of, and think about the Solomon effect that we talked about, moving from a first person perspective to a third person perspective. And there's all kinds of evidence about altering your level of construal having these very powerful effects on your cognition and your sense of self. It's, so you're viewing, you're viewing some situation and you're enmeshed in it. Now view it um, higher up in space and time. And then higher up still in space. So not just here, but oh, but what's, situate this event. Situate this event within all of Toronto. Oh no, situate it within all of Canada, within the whole world. Within not just the whole world now, but the whole world through all of time. What happens when you do that? Don't just say it, try it sometime. Visualize it, imagine yourself doing it. What happens is the agent arena is being altered and all of this machinery is coming into your awareness and your sense of self your sense of what matters, and what's important, what things mean, is being radically transformed. You'll become more liable to pursuing more long-term goals, you'll become more flexible, you'll become more capable of rational reflection, self-transformation. This is all evidenced from construal level theory. See, a bunch of practices that are designed to get you to bring into awareness this process of meaning making and to give you the discernment to pull apart the meaning of the event. Most therapy is about getting people See this perspectival change, perspectival knowing, and then to identify with it, change their sense of self, their sense of control, so that they move off trying to so much change the events that they can't control as much as they deeply, desperately want to, to cognitively reframing the meaning. Again, this isn't just semantic meaning. This is the identity, your participatory meaning, your existential mode. And this takes tremendous practice. The last thing you'll see Marcus Aurelius doing, and even more, Epictetus, is the practice of actually internalizing Socrates. Like Antisthenes talked about at the very beginning of this whole tradition. It means trying to do with yourself what Socrates had done with you. You can see this again in modern cognitive behavioral practices. You get people to, you, you get people to stop and be Socratic with themselves. So the per person is depressed. 
Remember I said when Antisthenes was talking about conversing with himself, he wasn't talking about the way you ruminate. Because when we ruminate, we're running things through our head. Like, everything I do is a failure. The therapist doesn't try and console the person and says, like, well, no, go out and get more success. He doesn't give the American commercial response. Well, go out and succeed more, conquer the world. Good luck with that. Okay. He says, well, she says, everything you do, everything, was you stating to me that that's a failure, itself a failure? Well, no, not everything. Did you get here successfully today? Well, yes, I did. What about clothing yourself? Oh, yes. So what do you mean by everything? I don't mean everything. What do you mean? Okay. And you realize a lot of this is because I'm letting this go by without having my own internal Socrates. It stops me and says, oh wow, you're making such powerful claims. You must know and understand. But you see, you're bullshitting yourself because this is very salient to you, but it's way beyond your understanding because what it's not representing what you actually mean. This may be what you believe, but it can't be what you mean. Everybody, everybody hates me. Everybody? So everybody's out to get you. Well, no, not most people. Which people? Well, this person. They hate you? How do you know they hate you? Well, they said that, is that enough for hate? You can see Socrates here. Is that what you mean by hate? Tell me what you mean by it. You've got all these things salient in your mind and you're running them round and round and round. You don't really understand the meaning. bullshitting yourself. Your motivation and your arousal is way ahead of your understanding. And most importantly, because of that, the meaning and the event are confused together. And again, this is not just in your beliefs, this is in your very identity. By doing all of this, you're going to transform your capacity for interacting with the world. You're going to not fall prey to the absurdity, and we're going to come back to absurdity again, right? That's inflicted on you by the fatality of all things. Because if you can discern, and this is one of the key things of wisdom, is discerning, not just in thought, but in perspective and in identity, the difference between the meaning and the events, and properly identify by meaning properly sensing and calibrating your sense of control, then you will alter your sense of identity. How? And how could this possibly give an answer to the mortality of things? that the Epicureans gave a direct answer to. Well, let's play with that a little bit. A kind of a bit, a bit of a view from above. 
say I gave you immortality? Got it. What would you do with it? Well, I do all the things I'd like to do. Okay, great. What would you do? Well, you know, I'd have lots of sex and eat lots of chocolate. Okay. How long? Well, probably not very long. I'd get bored. Then what would we do? Well, I'd pursue more meaningful things. What? Like I've always I've always wanted to learn archery. I'd take up archery and then I'd get, okay. And I'd get really good at archery. Great. Then what? Well, really good at basketball. Yeah, and then what? Really good at hmm. There's a really good story by, uh, well, it's a chapter in a book, The History of the World in Nine Half Chapters by Julian Barnes, where people go to heaven, and what they're doing in heaven is there's, they're given what they think is immortality, and they practice, this is one guy, he practices golf until he's getting a score of 18. Right? And then he's sort of like, okay, what do I do now? What do I do? And then he comes to sort of St. Peter and he says, what's going on? And he says, what's wrong? Aren't you doing everything you want? I am, but like, I get great at, I get great at everything. And then he, and St. Peter says, well, yeah, so what? He says, well, I, 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 I'm kind of done. And then St. Peter says, ah, now you get the point of heaven. The point of heaven isn't to live out immortality. It is to make you accept death. Now, that's not classic Christian doctrine by any means. It's a great story. And it epitomizes the Stoic idea. As long as you are formulating your identity horizontally in terms of a narrative of achieving an unending duration to your life, you're going to fail. But even if I gave it to you, and this is what people need to stop and think about, it would fail. What you want is that moment that that guy in heaven has. Right? You want not a length of life, but a fullness, a depth. You want to have lived life as fully as possible. This is why Marcus Aurelius says, you know, everybody dies, but not everybody has lived. People quote that, and they think it's about sort of gusto or something like this. Right? That's not what it's meant. This is the access of fame and fortune, the having mode. There's nothing wrong with it. But this is the axis of self-transcendence, the being mode. What do you identify with? Is your identity here? Or do you identify here? And if you identify here and you practice pro-chiron and pro-sash, you can get this fullness of being. Remember, that's what Plato promised. You could come to a complete fullness, and even if it lasts a moment, it's enough. Because it's not based on duration, it's based on quality. If I have, if I can achieve that in this moment, right here, right now, then I'm done. I'm done. So the Stoics have an answer, an answer that in a somewhat watered-down form is still very powerfully effective, at least in our therapeutic endeavors, which are becoming more and more central to many people's lives because of the meaning crisis.
But a less watered down version is also existentially pertinent and relevant. We can come to realize that I can exercise much more control over the meaning making such that I get the one thing that is always good to have, which is wisdom, that can afford me an identity in the depths, an ontological identity, rather than a merely historical identity. And that would be a fulfilled life. And that is actually what I want. I'll speak personally now for a moment. I mean, at a physiological level, of course, I avoid death, I, like I don't step into traffic, and I'm, in, I'm enjoying my life, so I don't mean this in any morbid or depressive way, but I do not want to live forever. I do not want to live forever. I do not think that John Verveke should exist for all time. I think that would be an ontological mistake of astronomical proportions. In some ways, I'm tired of life. I'm tired of the ways in which I've been foolish, the ways of which the ways I've, I've been immoral, let myself and other people down. And I have a strong sense of the inevitability of that. And extending that through all of eternity strikes me as a horrible evil to inflict on reality. Something that one I myself do not want to bear. But have I seen glimpses of this? Yes, I have. And we know from when people have awakening experiences that give them this, that they lose. Their fear of their mortality. They lose that existential anxiety. And if that's coupled to a fullness of being, that would be a way of responding to not only our mental health issues, but our existential distress about our own individual mortality. So you can see with both the Epicureans and the Stoics that we have things analogous, different but analogous to the kinds of things we saw at work within Buddhism. And we can see that the West is building up this very powerful tradition in its own right. And one of the great things about Pierre Hadot's work, and I recommend it very strongly to you, like what is ancient philosophy, or philosophy as a way of life, is to remind us that we do not have to look to Asian history, Asian, not ancient, we do not have to look to the East for the psychotechnologies of self-transcendence and self-transformation. We, there's no reason not to, we should, but we should not do that because we believe there is nothing within the Western heritage that offers us a profound response to the quest for meaning, wisdom, self-transcendence, and a response to existential anxiety. We have those things. Now one of the things that has been happening, and I think it is 
a good thing, although it is indicative of the increase of the meaning crisis in the West, is there has been a rediscovery of Stoicism, Platonism, etc. Part of what we need to do, and that's what I've been trying to do with you, is integrate that with our current cognitive science so that, once again, we can learn how to, and I mean this in a deeply, spiritually deep way, salvage from our own tradition the psychotechnologies and practices of wisdom and meaning-making that we are going to need, but in a way that we can live within a scientific worldview. So, the Hellenistic period comes to an end with the advent of a return to a world empire, which in very many ways right, is going to be informed by the Axial Revolution, but in very many ways also represents a return to a pre-Axial world, namely a world in which eventually a man can be considered a god because he wields so much power, the Roman emperors. Power and prosperity are the primary ways in which wisdom is understood. But within that empire, all of these philosophies will find home, and eventually, as we noted with Marcus Aurelius, even the emperor himself will be a proponent and an exemplar of the legacy of the Axial Revolution. But something else is also happening with the advent of this empire in the Mediterranean, and we return back now, as I promised we would, to one of the areas in which the Axial Revolution had taken place, and this, of course, is ancient Israel. Because what's happening is, of course, Israel has now been conquered by a sequence of empires, and the most recent, of course, is the Roman Empire. And I want to now speak of a religion that emerges at this time it's not an axial religion, but it is deeply informed by the axial legacy, particularly the ancient Israel legacy, where the two worlds were understood, if you remember, in terms of moving from the land of slavery to the promised land, where the, 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 the real world is the future and God is this open creator, and we're trying to sense the ah have faith in, participatory knowing of, involvement in the course of history, and sometimes we're distorted in that and we trespass, we fall off course, and we have to re-get, we have to be redeemed, we have to be brought back on course by prophets who speak God's attempt to get us back on track with making the future. This whole idea of co-creating with God the open future such that we can bring about a promised land for human beings. Now there is a, a person, a Jewish person, who is born into that tradition and uh, is responsible in ways that are very hard to determine historically for a radical transformation. Right? And of course this is Jesus of Nazareth. And probably the most pretentious thing I'm going to do is trying to speak about Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, literally, many millions of people believe he was God. Not metaphorically, not symbolically, but literally, metaphysically. 
I am respectful of this fact, I don't agree with it, at least in very standard interpretations. My endeavor is to not try and give some final complete version of this, that would be hubris and arrogance on my part. My endeavor is to try and explain what Jesus via Christianity did to that Israelite axial legacy, because that is what is relevant to what we are discussing here and now. The battles, the interminable and I think ultimately undecidable battles, even though many people claim to have reached the final conclusion about who Jesus was and what Jesus did, are not something I'm going to try and resolve here. We're even going to see when we take a look at the Gnostics that there is, right from the beginning, multiple competing interpretations and how that has had deep historical influence. So, if you remember, we use the Greek term from Paul Tillich because the New Testament is part of the Bible that talks about Jesus and the advent of Christianity was actually written in Greek. So, Tillich, the same Paul Tillich who wrote The Courage to Be, talked about kairos, about that perspectival participatory knowing, knowing the fullness of time, knowing exactly the right time. So some, right, that are going to, the, the right timing to shift the course of events. What Pascal, when we come to Pascal, we'll talk about is the spirit of finesse. The right, you know, there's, you're not yet in a romantic relationship with Susan and you kiss her. And if it, is it the right time? If you get the timing right, if the kairos is right, then the course of your relationship is altered, transformed. And your identity and her identity changed. Now, the Israelite conception was, the, was this for, was for the whole nation, and God would intervene chirotically at moments in history. Christianity is going to propose this radical idea that God's creative logos, the word he speaks through the prophets that the same word by which he speaks things into existence. The, the word that cr helps create history. The word that causes kairos, makes kairos possible for us. So logos doesn't mean just spoken words, it means like the intelligibility, the formative principle, the underlying structure. Christianity it's in the Gospel of John, Anarche and Logos. In the beginning was the Logos. Passage actually probably lifted from Stoicism. But what is John appropriating it to say? He's saying that God's capacity for producing Kairos through Logos has been identified, or to use an older term, incarnated in a particular individual. That Jesus of Nazareth is actually the ultimate Kairos. That all the other Kairoses 
we're pointing to him and are summed up in him. He represents the ultimate turning point. And he represents it not only historically, he represents it personally. Because he is a person, you can identify with him and that kairos can come to take place in you personally. Just like Socrates personalizes the axial revolution and brings it into a direct personal confrontation, the encounter with Jesus means that you too can experience a profoundly personal kairos, which Jesus seems to have spoken about using a metaphor of being born again, about such a radical metanoia, a radical shifting. This is often translated as conversion, so you read about that, right? But th this word is much closer to awakening. Noia means noticing. This is your perspectival awareness. And meta means a, a beyond. This means a radical transformation in your salience landscape. A radical transformation of right, what it's like to be you. It's this deeply perspectival and participatory transformation. And Jesus is saying he incarnates the principle by which you can intervene in your own personal history or by which maybe you want to say intervention can occur in your own personal history such that this metanoia you will have a new mind a new heart a new modal existence you will be born again what what's going on there what was what does this kairos look like? What could possibly so radically transform my salience landscape, my sense of self, my processes of co-identification? What could bring that about? And now I'm going to say the word and then you're going to laugh because it sounds like a Hallmark card. The Christian answer is love and now we all titter. <laughs> that's, so, that's so quaint. <laughs> love. Sounds like, oh, love. Okay, the problem with that as you've seen many times, is that this word is trivialized for us. We use one word to talk about so many different things. Like, I love peanut butter cookies. I love Canada. I love Sarah. I love my son. I love a really good, right, game of tennis. Are those the same? We're, we're even confused about this. We think that love is an emotion. No, it's not. Love is a modal way of being. Love isn't a feeling, and it is not an emotion. How do I know this? Because loving someone can be expressed by being sad when they're absent, being happy when they're present, being jealous when there's somebody else around, being angry when they're neglecting you. Love isn't a feeling. It isn't an emotion. It is a modal way of being. It is an agent arena relationship. And what Jesus seemed to be incarnating as a kairos to change the history of the world and to offer you to change your own personal history 
is a different kind of love. This is agape. We have to distinguish between three kinds of love, eros, philia, and agape. See, eros is the love that seeks to be one with something. And that can be spiritual, like being one with nature, or it can be being one with a cookie by eating it. Of course, we come to think of eros erotically, right? Being one with somebody by having sex with them. But remember, Socrates knew ta erotica, which wasn't just sex. Socrates knew what to care about. This is philia. So this is the love that is satisfied through consummation. Philia, this is the love that seeks cooperation. This is the love in which we experience reciprocity. We love the cookie because we can consume it. We love our friends because we are in reciprocity with them. What kind of love is this? And this is what Jesus claimed was how God loved individuals. This is the love that a parent has for a child. This is not the love of consummation. You're not trying to consume the child. That's evil. And it's not friendship. You're not, like, when you bring a child home from the hospital, and I've done this twice, right? That, it's not your friend. It's not even a person. You can't, it's, it's like, it's basically a slug. But here's the astonishing thing. You, you love it, not because of any way you can consume it or be one with it. Ew. Ew. You don't love it because, hey, what a you know, great friendship. You love it, right? You love it because by loving it, you turn a non-person into a person. It's the closest thing to a miracle, and that sounds hackney, I know, but Stop that and think about this. You depend on agape because people loved you before you were a person that you have become the person you are. Love turns non-person animals into moral agent persons. It's like, like, like it's like somehow if I could just care about, right, my sofa enough, it would turn into a Ferrari or something. Powerful. And here's what Jesus was offering. That love is, can be made, it can be exacted and made available for all. Here's what is on offer. Here's why Christianity will take the Roman Empire culturally. With agape, Christianity can say to all of the non-persons of the Roman Empire, all the women, all the children, all the non-male citizens, all the sick, all the poor, all the widowed, can take all of those non-persons and say, we will turn you into persons. Persons that belong to the kingdom of God. We'll take another look at this in more detail next time. Thank you very much.
Wow. Wow, baby, wow. MAC make some noise. Meaning Crisis and Chill with Viveki John and Akira the Don. Marcus Aurelius and Jesus. How'd that make you feel, baby? How was that? That was, I, I, you know, I nearly cried at the end. I had a little tear. <laughs> I love that bit. That's one of the many bits that when I first listened to this, driving across Los Angeles on an e-scooter nearly killed me. Yo. He fell off my e-scooter. You know, the, lo- it's the, it's the, the loving of the, the, the thing, turning that thing into a person thing, like shit. Amazing! Wow! Holy, holy cow, agape. Nightbuzz says it might sound corny, but love is the answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Make some noise for those that loved us and uh, allowed us to become persons. They didn't have to do that, did they? Bye, Joe. How you feeling out there? What's up? Red rah, 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 rah. WMIV says, wow, what a beautiful thing. Defcon says, damn. Shaggy Pebble says, awesome. Mason says, what's up, human being? Such a test, says Jesus. Still the culture. Bottom up! Bottom up! YouTube Hero Alice is stepping out of the movie theater now. That's right, baby. That's right. Oh, no. This is the, the this is actually... Yeah, actually, this is one of those ones where, like, someone comes on and go, hey, hey, and then you get to have a little bit of a chat. A little chat about it after, you know? Then you can file out and go get pie. Would you like to get pie after a movie? Do you believe in romance? Yo. Be Athena says, this is what I was meaning when I say hypersexuality is tainted male-female friendships. Hey, ain't that one word for it, huh? Tainted. Whoa. Sway says, that cuts like an obsidian knife. Red team, whoa, that's over already? Yes. Robert says, it was a deep dive. Dan Frank says, love. Sway says, love your sofa. (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's why... uh, Rick James, you know, caused so many problems, you know. Morgan Mindfulness says, that last part makes lots of sense. Love is essentially attention in its purest form. Game with Leos is incredible, absolutely incredible. WMIV says, think about how evil cancel culture is. It's the exact opposite. It takes a person and makes them a non-person, indeed. They, they, they call it unpersoning, right? Unpersoning. Incredible. Lazarus says, oh, wow. Rylas D says, I was thinking of Elon's love is the answer, too. Chrissy, 1089, says, I definitely had some tears, too. Such good stuff. What was the speaker's name? Uh, that's John Viveki. John Viveki. V-E-R-V-A-E-K-E. And uh, he's a wonderful fellow. We have a, we made a song. We've got a song called... What's that song called? Steal the Culture. Steal the Culture. And uh, go... The, the link is, should be in the description of the book. Actually, you're on Twitch, so it isn't. I need to work out a way of adding that. 
These are all archived on YouTube, so you can go back and watch them. They're, it's part of a series. This is part 15. And uh, you check out his YouTube. He has an absolute wealth and an abundance of, of wonderful material. And he does cool shit like guided meditations as well, you know? So that's cool. Cindy Bailey says, I absolutely love these streams. Word XP, Alan Watts, like, love, 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 gets the shotty. <laughs> YouTube Hero Alex says, I would like to get some pie and I do believe in love. Yeah, we know you do, Shark Hero. God bless. Uh, I want to be a good at them, them, says all I know is I don't love my chemistry homework right now. <laughs> Real Red Jack, Jack Arnold says, this is the color you go. Ekans Villiers giving out virtual hugs. Red Team says, I'm thinking about getting a Kairos tattoo. I believe uh, Viveki John Talks uh, goes into Kairos uh, in one of these upcoming. Athena says, I'm caught up now. That last note about Agape is almost a little dark. It's about the intention. Cedric says, get that man a pie. Get that man a pie. Indeed, indeed. What did we glean from this week's uh, this week's lo-fi lecture, brothers and sisters? What was our what was the, what was the takeaway? What was our favorite aspect or least or any of that? Let me let me know your thoughts. Uh, Colossus TV followed us during that broadcast on Twitch. As did Colic eighty four. Uh, welcome both of you. Frank says you can change your life right now and be born again with love, even as a non-theist. Exactly. exactly. Sajitaj's favorite aspect is how engaged mass folks are. Hey. Real Red Dracon says, I was thinking of getting a Gorgon tattoo. It is the Aegis of Athena. Also, I was thinking of a griffin, king of the air and the land, was a symbol for the Scythians. I was thinking of getting some Chinese hieroglyphs that, that say, uh, packet crisps. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, I haven't had a tattoo for a while. Last tattoo I, I got was like uh, this time last year. Uh, thank you, uh, the Mob Butt Itches over on Twitch. Incredible name, always wonderful to see you. Ma, I call you Ma for short, you know. Thank you for the support, Ma. Yeah. I want to be a good, 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 says, why Akira the Don? As your name, is it okay to ask questions? I'm new to this. It's okay to ask questions. I took Akira because, uh, you know, uh, a lot, there, there are a number of alchemical works out there in the world. You know, an alchemical work, that would be one that, that transforms uh, the witness. And uh, a lot of them are done deliberately, you know. Uh, like 2001, A Space Odyssey is a deliberate alchemical work designed to change uh, the experiencer. And you know that's true because in the movie, very explicitly, human consciousness is elevated quite radically every time you see one of them monoliths, right? The only time you see the monolith and you don't see human consciousness uh, 
uh, escalate ra uh, tra uh, radically is at the beginning of the movie when it's in space and then it becomes the movie screen and you go through it because it is you that is being transformed, you see. And uh, so one generation saw that movie and that transformed them. I speak with my friend Grant Morrison about this quite a bit. He had his mum take him to the movie theater to see that movie, a gang, like a whole bunch of times when he was like seven, you know? Was he 11? I can't remember. You'd have to ask him. We'll get him on in one day and we'll ask him. Anyway, my, my equivalent of that was the movie Akira. You know, and I had no idea what it meant. I didn't understand it at all, but I watched it so many times when I was like 11 or something. And, you know, and, uh, and, and it changed me, you know, as if, it, as if it sort of, you know, rearranged my my molecular sort of basis, I would say. And when I became a rapper, you know, I took that as my name. And I took it out of the air. I was in the middle of freestyling, you know. And, uh, and I took it, and then the Don bit, I took out the air in the middle of freestyling, we were on tour, you know, and uh, we were only communicating in rap while we were on this tour, me and my rap crew, you know. You stop at a service station, you'd rap your way to a sandwich, you know. And uh, I got real good at that shit, you know. I declared myself a cure of the Don in the middle of one of those raps, and that was that, baby, it was a rap, and that was the truth. And uh, now, you know, now, now it's weird if anyone calls me anything other than a cure, you know. Uh, the only people who don't call me a cure are, uh, like, well, my nan's dead now, so she doesn't. Uh, my mum, I don't know, she calls me son mostly. But my mum, my mum. That's about it, you know. Or, or people who want to be extra familiar in, in the chat. <laughs> but no one in my actual life does. My wife doesn't. Unless she's angry with me. You can tell she's angry with me if she says, Anyway, so, uh, and then, but an interesting thing we discovered, though, is, uh, and we discovered this later on, I'd forgotten, you know, I was brought up in Wales, and uh, I'd completely forgotten that the word Dawn, in Welsh, Dawn, Dawn, means wave, so Akira the Dawn in Welsh, that would be Akira the Wave, and that's pretty special, too, you know, it's as if, uh, as if it was all meant to be, you know, so there you go. Uh, Natural Phenomenon says, fun fact, the name Akira actually means sunlight or bringer of the light, which you've actually become by bringing to the masses the light of meaning and meaning wave. You've brought light into the darkness of my life at the very least. And, uh, and that's not at all least, is it? That's not even a slightly small thing. It really isn't a small thing uh, when you consider the manner in which we are, of course, networked and the impact one life can have on the rest of the world. Uh, so that is no small thing at all. And that's an incredible thing to read. And, uh, and thank you. And I'm grateful to uh, have the opportunity to be useful, you know? Red Team says, Whoa, Akira the Don, my father holds that movie in high regard and we watched it together. Thanks to you bringing it up and talking about it. And then it happened to come on TV a couple of days later and I made sure to watch it with him. I'm thankful for that. God bless. God bless. Sway says, My best mate, Adam the Don. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Cindy Bailey says, Akira straight up wrapped into existence. Well, the thing is, when you're freestyling, you know, Vicky John talks about this. When you're freestyling, that's uh, you're not you're not you're not fully conscious, are you? You know you're uh, uh, when you're in that zone. When you're in the zone, you know, and you're you're almost a conduit for. Well, you are a conduit. It's not almost. You are. You're a conduit for 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 something else, which some people call God. You know. Uh, so if if one makes a proclamation like that in the, in the middle of such a such a moment, then that's a, that's a that's a divine happening right there. You know, and you should you should accept that gracefully. You know, and then you should bear that. You know, and you should go out there and uh, and do it to the maximum, baby. Do it to the very, very max. You know, and uh, and don't fuck around. I would say. <laughs> That's what I would say. I would say don't fuck around, and uh, and get after it. You know, and uh, 
Yeah, it was. Do you know what was nice about that? It was nice to sneak in a couple of little, little slightly meaningful instrumentals as well. That was enjoyable. That was enjoyable. And uh, Cindy says, get a tattoo of a steak. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Sue Dogan Dream says, given the wizard from Akira, uh, the wizard form Akira from the 2000s old school, Littles Bashy Nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What a time that was, and uh, what a wonderful, what a, what, a, what a privilege to, to have spent so many wonderful times with such wonderful people. Um, you know, I'm so proud of my brothers. Um, I'm so proud of Nasty, you know. I was, I, was, uh, I was talking with Nasty the other day, you know. I'm so proud of Nasty, oh my goodness. I could go on and on about how proud I am from Nasty. Of Nasty, sorry. But uh, anyway, that's for another stream. We, should, we have to get Nasty on one of these days. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Sudoku Dream says, play G-Dragon. And uh, Red Team says, wave of enlightenment. And Morgan Mindfulness says, synchronicity. And uh, Sway says, my heart chakra is agape. New drinking, new drinking game with these streams should be uh, drink whenever you hear the word agape. You're going to be hearing that a lot. You know, Gestalt, there was no Gestalt today, was there? Not one Gestalt mention. Some of you are thirsty, huh? Sway says, big nasty for prayers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> My guy. Uh, is the next lecture all Jesus Christianity? Well, actually, next, it's, it's all, G all Christianity, uh, all agape. Actually, next week, it's meaning crisis and chill. Uh, 16, Christianity and agape and that is going to be pretty special as i recall my memory of that one is that it is pretty pretty special red team says oh hell yeah someone make drinking bingo cards for the next lecture i do believe that actually this is something we have the technology for and it's something that shark hero alex has been really excited to crack out he worked out i do believe shark hero alex has worked out a bingo capability <laughs> so we could actually play uh meaning crisis and chill bingo and you could have a winner announced at the end twitcher alex is so excited right now i could have i could just see him i could just see he's in his gamer chair just like hopping up and down with joy you know what i mean joy and uh you know with that being said <laughs> maybe we should game with leo says we should drink whenever johnny v says deeply uh, you definitely drink whenever he mentions his love for his partner. Or when he talks about her, like when he mentions her name or whatever. He, he talks about her a lot, you know, it's so cute. So cute. Yeah! <laughs> Cindy Bailey says, Alex, you're a genius. Indeed, indeed. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> I'm going to get out of it. And uh, thank you all for being here today, of course. Wonderful, wonderful times in the uh, Club of Meaning. As always, broadcasting live on ThinkSpot, on YouTube, on Twitch. And we'll be back tomorrow morning, of course, like we always do this time, 7 a.m. CT on Twitch. And uh, we've got a wheel, you know, we've got a wheel. We like to spin that wheel. And the wheel tells us what's going to happen the next morning. This morning it said bops were going to happen, and therefore bops did happen. Bops are what happened this morning, you know. And uh, it still says there, look, it says bop. That's evidence of this morning's activities, you know. And uh, let's see what's happening tomorrow. 
Let's see what's going on. Disco! Disco tomorrow. That's nice. Shaky Pavel says, predict dub. Prediction incorrect. Yeah. Again, disco, baby. Hurrah, hurrah. Okay, disco tomorrow morning. It is, baby. Disco uh, Wednesday. Is it Wednesday tomorrow? Disco Wednesday. Yes, it is. Uh, so we'll be there for that. And uh, yeah, that's... Um, and then tomorrow night, what's happening? I can't remember. Something epic, I'm sure. Something epic. And I do believe... What's the date? I do believe, brothers and sisters, it is uh, a mere week. It's a week until we have our birthday. A week until our first birthday. A week until we celebrate one year of uh, sequential daily live streams. We'll have done this every single day for a year, this time next week. how that make you feel? Ah! Oh my goodness. I don't know how it makes me feel, frankly. Uh, I do not know, but uh, yeah, that's what's coming up. That's what's racing towards us uh, like, you know, like a bull running at some guy dressed in all red, you know, waving a picnic blanket. Stay Dugan says, is Alex getting us a cake? Should be getting Alex a cake. Ye gods, look at that. Look at that. Is Alex getting us a cake? Huh. Ask not what uh, your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country by Jove. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with that being said I'm getting out of here thank you to everyone who's been here if you want to support the wave and uh, I, I do recommend supporting the wave uh, you can become a member of the channel here on Twitch here on YouTube you can uh, you can donate via the donate links at meaningwave.com at uh, meaningwave.com slash pages slash donate we've got a Bitcoin Venmo cash up all that you can buy stuff you can buy a nice hoodie like this one you know at meaningwave.com you can download all the music at Bandcamp you can stream the music on Spotify and uh, you could let somebody know about the existence of Meaningwave you could you could you could do that you have that power you know uh, what was it the Stoics say you know no, don't worry about that which is outside the domain of your control but focus thyself entirely upon that which is and within the domain of your control I do believe there is the capacity to let somebody know that Meaningwave exists so if you want to support the wave, those are some things you can do. And we are grateful for your continued support. This is via you that we get to be here. Uh, thank you, Miranda Alec, Axel Stacks, Dakota Yates, and Andrew Clunis for your support tonight. God bless you. And uh, Mamba Itches as well, of course. And uh, Walking Mall Poet, you know. And I am DJ Task, you know. And uh, is there anyone I missed? Purple Team Ninja, of course. God bless. Thank you, each and every one of you. Uh, if you're on Twitch, we're going to go raid someone right now. And if you want to come along for the raid, uh, YouTube, jump over to Twitch right now. We'll go raiding. We found another great one this morning. We found another great one last night. We are, we are kicking it uh, on the raid thing. By the way, I just got a message. Uh, I just got a message. Where did it go? Where's my message gone? I got a nice message a minute ago. And uh, from DJ Task, that was it. DJ Task. Uh, He's, he seems like a lovely fellow who we raided, you know. He says, thanks so much for the raid. It really helped. The numbers on my stream and your crew were amazing to hang out with. You hear that? Amazing to hang out with. I look forward to catching you in your next show and hopefully returning the favors sometime soon. Isn't that nice? Lovely, lovely, lovely culture on Twitch there. But um, shouts out to DJ Task, you know. And, uh, you know, shouts out to the... Uh, the uh, the uh, Meaning Wave missionaries, you know, the Meaning Wave missionaries who go out there and uh, spread the good word of Meaning Wave via YouTube, uh, via Twitch raids, 
and conduct themselves in such a wonderful fashion that the DJs then send me letters saying about, talking about how amazing you were to hang out with. So thank you. Thank you, you lovely, 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 lovely thing, you, uh, for representing the Meaning Wave Autonomous Zone in so fantastic a fashion. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you. And uh, we're going to get out of here now. Twitch Hero Alex, hit that goodbye button. Hit that bedoing. Bedoing, bedoing. And we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go jump into another club. Shouts out to everyone listening on the podcast. God bless each and every one of you. <laughs> such a such a proud parent. Yes, indeed. Very, verily, verily, verily. Three, two, one. See you in the morning for some disco. Agape. I agape you. I agape you. I agape you. And I got pay you as well. I got pay, I got pay, I got pay. <laughs>